Welcome to another episode of the Sports Mecca podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Abramo. As always, I'm joined by my partner, Sam Hengeli. Today, we have the amazing opportunity to speak with Duke University track and field athlete, Emily Cole. Emily, we appreciate the time this evening. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be a part of the show. Of course. Just to start this episode, provide us a little bit of an update on you know how your junior season's been going. I know last month in May you competed in two big events, the NCA East preliminary round in the 3000 steeplechase, you finished sixth in the event. And then a little bit earlier, you competed in the 3000 steeplechase as well at the ACC Outdoor Track and Field Championships. So tell us a little about how those events went. I basically focus on the steeplechase during outdoor track and I, was lucky enough to have a good performance at ACC's. It was just an incredible experience because we were hosting the meet on our home track. So got to have a little bit of that ACC magic. And I ended up being runner up in the steeplechase and getting the school record. So that was a really exciting night for my family and I. It was like a 30 second PR. So it was definitely out of the blue. Um, And then, yep, last weekend, I actually just finished, like you were saying, NCAA regionals where I um, was able to qualify for nationals. And so I haven't competed there yet, but I'm super excited to get to see the new stadium in Eugene. And it's been a dream since I started as an athlete here at Duke to be able to compete at the NCAA championships in the new Oregon stadium. So I'm just so excited to go. You'll love the new Oregon stadium. I I worked at a meet there last year and it's spectacular. I'm sure, yeah, it's pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. So what has been your... I guess will be your preparation for that event. Um, so the steeplechase is actually is 3000 meters. So it's just under two miles, but to kind of give people an explanation that don't fully understand it, it is a race that also has hurdles and a water pit. So there are five hurdles and they look more like horse barriers. And after one of them, there is a water pit. So on that particular hurdle, you jump up on top of it and push off to try and get to the shallower part of the water pit. And it really adds an element of a different element of athleticism and adversity to this race that keeps it always exciting to watch and even more fun to be a part of. So, you know, you competed in the ACC Outdoor Track and Field Championship also in 2021. What would you say if you have to say the differences between the two events that you were able to to compete in? Well, I'd say there are definitely a couple of different factors. That season, I actually rolled my ankle like three days before that race. Um, So I was just happy to finish it. But additionally, during cross country season this year, I had a really tough season and I couldn't figure out what was wrong. And I went to the doctors and got a bunch of tests done and actually was diagnosed with celiac disease. So I can't have gluten and gluten essentially is super inflammatory in my body. It destroys the inner linings of my stomach to where I can't absorb nutrients. So it's not out of personal preference, but out of necessity that I now can't do that. And it's really helped me to better be able to recover and perform to my maximum potential this season. Now is celiac disease common for runners or athletes that compete in cross country and track and field? 
Definitely not. Um, celiac is something that affects one in 100 people. Um, but I, I know there are a few runners that have come out with it, but it's definitely especially difficult for runners because we rely so much on bagels and rice and pasta. Um, so that was something that really I struggled with during cross country because the night before races, I would carb load and have a big bowl of pasta. And then I was like, why do I feel terrible running this race today? But that was why. Would you say that dealing with this has definitely maybe educated you on what to eat and putting the right foods in your body? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was already extremely passionate about sports nutrition and nutrition in general before the diagnosis. So I feel like it was a generally pretty easy transition for me more so than most other people, because I was already super into different whole foods and, and cooking my own things as well. So um, I'm definitely grateful that I had that exposure beforehand, but it's, it's definitely something that I didn't even know existed before I was diagnosed with it. Now you are in your junior season. What would you say you've maybe have learned throughout your three years at Duke? Any expectations that you maybe had coming into college? Um, have they been met or are you still trying to meet them? Gosh, that's a good question. Um, things I've learned, definitely learning to enjoy the process. I think that that's something that every athlete says, but I'm, I'm grateful about how I was able to really start loving the journey and all the practices and hanging out with my teammates because I did have such a hard time understanding why I wasn't seeing the performances as well. And so now that I'm able to have the performances and be able to compete and run well, I'm really grateful for it. But I'm also grateful that I had that experience of of not being able to do my best all the time and really learning how to appreciate all the other beautiful aspects of the sport that don't come with the like material gains of, of winning races. Now your sister graduated from Duke in 2014. Did that yeah. play a role in you competing at the university as well? It definitely did. Although I will say whenever she came to Duke, I was just super happy for her and loved coming and supporting and watching Duke basketball. Um, but then whenever I was doing my college visits and I went around and talked to the different schools, I really just, as soon as I met the girls and the coaches here at Duke, I just knew it was the perfect fit. Um, all of the girls here are my best friends and my sisters. And I'm just extremely grateful that I have such an incredible group of women to get to compete with and live with every day. You grew up in Houston. You went to high school at Klein High School. Um, you did have a very interesting incident at a state track meet where you were overhydrated. Um, for those who might not know maybe how you get overhydrated or just how what maybe led up to that, you know, kind of speak to Sam and I about what what went on. This is essentially why I got so passionate about sports nutrition, because my junior year of high school, I was doing volleyball and basketball and track and cross country. And I wasn't able to really do my best in any of them because I was spreading myself so thin across all of them. I loved it and I couldn't pick. And I finally decided my senior year, I really wanted to focus on running. So um, at the end of my junior year, I started eating better and started really 
changing my diet and it made a significant difference in my running as well as dropping volleyball and basketball. I kind of did all three of those things at the same time. And so I was just definitely a different athlete, different runner my senior year. That's why I was really late to the recruiting game and, and ended up um, only having my good times in my senior season. Um, but it was just fascinating to me how big of a difference what I put in my body made with how I felt while I was running and how I felt just in general in life. And so I became super passionate about it, started eating really healthy and doing all the things I thought I was supposed to. And I actually had a case where I was overhydrated. So for like the month leading up to my state cross country meet, a super big deal. I had never even been close to qualifying before. And now I was in the mix for being one of the top 10 girls. So it was extremely important to me. And um, I had really put a lot of weight and self-worth into that race. And for the past month or for the prior month leading up to it, I was like, you know, I just, I mean, I had started not being able to focus as well in conversations and I wasn't really hanging out with my friends as much. I didn't really know what was happening. Um, but I was like, I just need to get through the, the meet and everything will be okay. Um, and I'll, you know, relax and get back to normal after then. Um, but eventually I realized what was actually happening was I was getting lower and lower, lower in my sodium levels, which is an essential electrolyte for different bodily and neurological functions. And so that's why everyone has, you know, noon or Gatorade, different sports drinks with electrolytes in them. I didn't understand the importance of that, but since I was eating so healthy and not drinking any of these sports drinks, I was eating so healthy. So my food was very low in sodium and I wasn't drinking any of these sports drinks. I was just drinking a lot of water. Um, I became dangerously low in sodium and that really affects your personality and your performance. And um, the night before the state meet, I honestly don't know how this timing was so incredibly specific to the night before the most important night of the whole year. Um, but I just started feeling super sick that day and um, nauseous and terrible. And I threw up a lot, which actually made me dangerously low in, in my sodium since I was already low. And at that point, I went to bed and um, my coach, I went to bed at like 8 p.m. It's like I couldn't eat my dinner. And my coach came in to check on me at like 9 p.m. that night because they were all obviously worried about me, a big race in the morning. Um, and he came in with my teammates and he could have not woken me up, um, but he just wanted to check in and see how I was feeling. So he came in and, and shook my shoulder a little bit. And it seemed like I like had a seizure. So he called the ambulance and I went to the hospital and was in a two-day coma um, from being so low in sodium. So that's kind of, if he hadn't come in to check on me that night, I wouldn't be here today. And it really taught me to not only share the importance of sports nutrition in reaching your athletic goals, but also helping other athletes understand that eating healthy is a lot more about finding balance in your life and putting more whole foods and nutrients and not like just following exactly what society deems everything that's only broccoli and chicken to be healthy. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So that did actually, correct me if, I, if I'm wrong, led you to writing a book called Athletes. Um, tell us a little bit about the thought process of, of going into that and then 
you know, the stages on, on the book so far? Yep. So I actually sadly had to um, change the name of the book recently because there was someone else that already uh, has the trademark on that name, but ended up working out really well. I have now, I posted a different thing. It kind of involved my different followers on different platforms on the new naming process of what the book would be called. And so that experience definitely led me to writing this book, which is called The Player's Plate. And it is a fundamental guide to sports nutrition um, that I wish I had had as a younger athlete. They're really teaching me the basics of how to find what balance works best for you. But also I have a whole second portion on navigating the different societal and psychological challenges that come with pursuing fueling your optimal performance as well. Now, how much research did you put into this book? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have read so many different research articles and spoken with so many registered dietitians and gotten resources from them. I obviously am not a registered dietitian. So I speak about the importance of this label and not just being called a nutritionist and the importance of working with them and finding out your specific needs, but everything, I mean, I've read so many different um, peer reviewed research studies at this point and it's been a two-year process. I started this during the fall of my sophomore year, and I wasn't expecting it to be a two-year process, but I'm definitely glad that I have let it take that long because I'm really happy with how it's all coming together and like displaying itself in the way that I want it to rather than if I had rushed to finish it earlier on. That's really cool to see, you know, to see a college athlete like yourself maybe experience some some setbacks and learn from it and then turn that into a learning lesson not only for yourself but for other athletes that are in the same spot as you is very very powerful definitely educational too um so you also have a very large uh social media presence on tiktok about 160k followers for a college athlete you know, that's, that's a lot. That's incredible. What kind of led you to gain such popularity on that platform? And, you know, do you use that platform with a lot of people or how do you express it? You know, it's very interesting because I feel like I'm definitely someone who puts a lot of effort into it and really puts a lot of effort into building my brand and making sure that I'm posting often and, and like responding to different followers and whatnot. But it's funny, the growth that I've seen on my page has definitely been in waves. It's like, I'll, I'll post a bunch and then randomly like one weekend, it'll be like, I got like 50K. So it's interesting how TikTok works and, and growth on that platform works. But um, yeah, I think that that's definitely something that has really allowed me to have a larger platform and, and really get to learn more and be more involved in the NIL space for sure. So speaking of NIL, has that led you to any deals or things that you've been utilizing, you know, using TikTok? For sure. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've done a lot of, of deals with different companies. I've worked with H&R Block and DoorDash, and I'm just really grateful that all the teams that I've been able to work with have been so amazing. Um, I also have been lucky enough to partner with um, an agent named Michael Raymond and He's been absolute lifesaver and legend in helping me navigate doing all these NIL deals while also competing and going to school. 
you know, NIL has been a 10 month, it's 10 months old. I mean, so many athletes have been putting the time and investments into it. You know, what was the maybe thought process? You know, how long did you think about talking to your parents, talking to your family that made you realize, mm-hmm. okay, maybe I should get into NIL? I think the reason why I got to it earlier than most people is because I wasn't doing it for NIL. I've always been active on social media, even in high school. I, on Instagram, my Instagram stories since high school, I've posted how many miles I run every day and done little like daily vlogs and and different like kind of behind the scenes of my life, even when I had way less followers than I do now. (laughs) Um, And so I guess I've always been interested in having a social media presence. And my sister is also very into social media. She's a country music artist in Nashville. She's extremely talented. Her name's Julia Cole. And um, she has done a great job of growing her platforms on Instagram and and TikTok and Spotify. And and she was the one who really told me, Emily, you need to start on TikTok. You could get a ton of followers just because you're a D1 athlete and people would love to see kind of the behind the scenes of that life. And so I got onto it just because of her. And then all of the NIL news and regulations kind of came out after that. So I was, I was lucky enough that I had kind of got a head start on it. Um, but now obviously super grateful and, and definitely continuing to pursue it more seriously now that it's a, a source of revenue for me. Yo, there are many events coming up in the world of sports. It'd be great to be in attendance for such. Where can we get tickets? Geek. You see, SeatGeek is an app that can help you find the best seats with the best deals. SeatGeek shows you different tickets available with green being the best deals and red not being the hot deals. The best part is it shows you where you'll be sitting at the event. If you use the code SPORTSMECCA, you could get $20 off your first purchase. Get your seat at SeatGeek today. Emily, um, I want to kind of like go back you're from uh, houston texas yeah houston is extremely hot in the summer uh what is training like in houston and do you have to adjust the workouts to uh, fit the conditions oh yeah absolutely i mean my senior year of high school when i was really competing longer towards the end of the track season i remember waking up at at 4 a.m to have breakfast before our 6 a.m um, track workouts because it was just impossible to work out and get good quality reps in, in the heat by 8am. And it's so funny because it's, it's hot here in Durham too. You know, it's, it's literally 95 degrees right now and it feels like 100 degrees, but it's so much more rare than in Houston. Whereas like in Houston, it's like this every day in the summer. It's like, if it happens like a day or two here in Durham, everyone's freaking out. So it's definitely prepared me well for college. And, um, that heat training, I, I mean, it gave me a perspective that I'm grateful for, although it was, it was definitely hard for training at the time. <laughs> do, you, do you find that um, heat training is more effective than altitude training? Have you ever trained in altitude before? I have, yep. So I trained altitude last summer, um, and I was in Gunnison in, in Crested Butte, Colorado. And I wouldn't say that it prepares me more than altitude training, although... I mean, this is just, it's not like it was very controlled comparison here. I mean, every time that I did heat training in Houston, I also raced in Houston. So it wasn't like I was then getting to race in cooler weather. Whereas whenever I trained at altitude this past summer, I then went back to Durham and was able to run super well at lower altitude. 
So it's not really a fair comparison, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've trained in both. Uh, Kansas can get really hot in the summers as, as well, of course. Uh, I think the humidity is like the worst thing. Uh, it's not really heat itself. It's just really humid. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So uh, distance runners are the only college athletes to have a competitive season for a full academic year. So fall, winter, and spring, what's that like? And how do you stay healthy and physically and mentally? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's definitely a lot on, on us having to compete all year long. I think that that really helps us prioritize our recovery and really do everything that we need to do. I mean, you cannot be a year round runner without also taking care of your sleep and your nutrition and making sure that whenever you're supposed to take a day off or a week off, you actually do and you actually rest your body. I think that that's something that's helped me a lot is that I'm very passionate about getting a lot of sleep. So I don't have any remorse leaving someone's house and going to bed super early rather than hanging out late. Um, and I think that that's really helped me to stay healthy throughout the long seasons, but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely something that makes our sport very unique. Awesome. Uh, so you qualify for nationals in the steeplechase, which I think believe that starts next week in uh, Eugene, mm -hmm. Oregon. I want to talk about the steeplechase and what are some ways that people who don't really hurdle, who never done hurdles and really are like kind of afraid of like just tripping over. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some ways that people can uh, feel more comfortable doing the steeplechase and be able to build that, uh, that ability to be able to hop over those hurdles without having the fear of like getting hurt. Also a good question. Um, I would definitely recommend there are different like specific and easy hurdle drills you can do where you kind of put your hurdle perpendicular to a wall, put your hands up on the wall and just drag your foot along the hurdle and practice whipping that trail leg around. Um, that's something that I do before every practice. And it's really helped me. That's something that I'm actually working on currently is since I'm tall and I can just kind of hop over the hurdles, <laughs> working on actually putting my trail leg over to the side and not keeping it down. Um, and then also for the, the water jump, I think that that's something that has taken me years to learn how to do correctly. It's extremely difficult to figure out how to push off while you're midair. And so I would definitely recommend practicing into a sand pit or onto the grass several, several times off of, you know, a little stand or a smaller hurdle, um, or even a, a steeple barrier, but just not the actual water jump for a while until you feel confident with your form before you practice going over the pit, because it can be dangerous and people definitely get hurt. One Duke legend retired, Mike Krzyzewski. Uh, what is your uh, favorite uh, Coach K memory, uh, maybe during your time at Duke or maybe before, like what's your favorite like basketball or personal moment with Coach K? Um, I definitely would say whenever he got his thousandth career win, I remember watching that game with my family. We're obviously huge Duke basketball fans. Um, and it was just really incredible to get to watch that um, moment. And then also, I, I have to say this one, um, whenever I was at the Duke UNC game at home, it was such an incredible experience, obviously heartbreaking because we lost. Um, but afterwards, I'm, I'm friends with his uh, grandson, Michael, and 
it, there was this incredible moment afterwards where he had like a circle of their grandchildren come together um, to kind of celebrate him and his career and all that he's accomplished. And one of the grandkids went and got Michael off the player bench and brought him over to the grandkids circle. And I like teared up. It was just such a beautiful moment for their family. And I'm just so incredible, incredibly impressed by him as a coach and the amount that he's been able to achieve success for such a long time and really just set a precedent for excellence at, at Duke and, and athletics in general. Yeah, we've had, we had a son, Chris Patola, his son-in-law, Chris Patola came on earlier last January. So uh, I got one more question for any runner out there who's chasing a dream of maybe running D1, making the Olympics or winning a state championship or qualifying for the national meet. Uh, what words of wisdom would you give to that person? Definitely say reach out to different older runners that are, you know, either on Instagram or on different have social media presences that you really look up to and, you know, ask, ask them questions. I mean, there, there are so many different things that, that you can work on to help improve your career, whether that's, you know, starting to feel a little bit better or getting more sleep at night or really making sure that your workouts are helping you achieve your goals rather than just making you way too tired and negatively affecting your races. There are so many different aspects that come into finding your, your best performance that I think it's really important to find a good role model in the sport and mentor that can help you figure out what works best for your specific situation and needs. Very good advice. Thank you so much. Yeah, very good. Before we let you go, is there anything that you would like to promote that you haven't mentioned already? I mean, go listen to my sister's music on Spotify, Julia Cole. <laughs> She's amazing. And I'm super proud of her. And, and you'll definitely be hearing more from her later. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm just really excited for my book to publish in September and grateful that y'all had me on the show. So nice to meet both of you. And yeah, hopefully get to talk to y'all again soon. We really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with us this evening. Such a great, great stories that you've provided. Very first college track and field athlete we've had. You did a great job of kind of both of y'all, Stephen and Samuel, both did an incredible job of leading through like perfect transitions of like how I had finished what I just said, leading into the next question that perfectly applied. So I'm just really impressed with the flow of the podcast and so excited to get to, you know, see the final result. Well, we appreciate it once again so much. Um, enjoy the rest of your evening and we look forward to hearing from you soon. Will do. Thank y'all so much. Have a great night. For those who are listening to our show for the first time, all our past and future episodes are available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Sports Mecca.